CFL fans, are you ready? Because it's time for the Canadian Football Countdown on Mike FM Winnipeg. Canadian Football Countdown starts now. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Canadian Football Countdown. As always, I'm Ryan Coop alongside Michael Garrell, and we are back talking more CFL football here with our week one CFL preview show. Uh, finally, actual CFL games are here, Mike, and we're going to talk about what we see happening in this week's games here. We'll be joined also at the end of this episode by Andrew Hoskins of the Eskimo Empire podcast uh, with his take on the Bombers versus the Eskimos at Investors Group Field Thursday night and how he sees the other games this week going as well. But Mike, let's get into your thoughts on these games and we'll start off with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and the Edmonton Eskimos this week. Well, a little bit of luster was taken off for sure when... You know, you looked at the opening night matchup of Matt Nichols and, you know, Mike Riley. All of a sudden, that kind of toned down. Uh, Chris Trevler did Mike Riley, but I still think, you know, the quarterbacks were only one kind of subplot or plot to the whole or storyline to the plot. Um, I still think this is a battle of two great defenses and two great offenses coming into the game. And I still think it'll be a great game. Let, let's go through the storylines of this game uh, between the Eskimos and the Bombers. I think biggest one, you start where you left off right, for the Bombers, right? Last year's season ended with a playoff loss to the Eskimos in the Western semifinal at Investors Group Field. And this year they kick it off and see, did we do what we need to do in the offseason to go and get over the hump and beat the Eskimos now? Now, granted, week one, there's going to be a lot of sloppy play. I think it's fair to say, as teams try to figure this out. The Bombers brought in all of the necessary pieces during the offseason to go and find success on the defensive side of the ball. But it's week one, and you have to remember that these guys, a lot of them, well, granted, a lot of them played together in BC because the Bombers' new-look defense has a whole lot of BC in it. You you don't know how they're going to adjust to Richie Hall's scheme in week one. That's we, the don't even, we don't even know what Richie Hall's scheme is if it's at all different from that of last year. Exactly. So that's the question mark for me. Big storyline for the Bombers is new look defense. Does it change and can it stop Mike Riley? Because that's what they weren't able to do when their season ended last year in that playoff game. Well, I think one encouraging thing from the preseason is those explosion plays they talked about were kept to a minimum with even the number two guys. You know, there weren't that many uh, broken coverage busts, um, even in the preseason or in the game at home where most of the starters played for the majority. So that's already encouraging. Um, lineup notes for the Bombers. Uh, Mo Lightyear, not sure if he's was practicing with the twos this week, not sure if he did then. Uh, Jamarcus Hardwick also practiced, not sure if he did then. And then uh, uh, Ian Wild as well was also on that. So... You've had about some fairly substantial pieces that, you know, are missing. And, of course, offensively, uh, Keenan LaFrance, who basically has not played at all, uh, practiced very little so far in uh, in uh, training camp. But, you know what, again, it's, you know, it's not about the health bowl in game number one. You want guys healthy, you know, late October, early November, 
into November. Yeah, and the Eskimos have some injuries as well in that game first this first game, right? Uh, Aaron Grimes won't be playing. Uh, yeah, he, just, he's back home dealing with the personal matter, so that's not injury related. But and uh, a couple other guys, I think Cole Kuhn is another guy that won't be playing for them. Yeah, there's three defensive guys who won't be playing. Uh, one of them is Grimes, and then the other two are also. All of them happen to be DBs. So, hmm. um, other major storyline here is obviously the quarterback position because it's mm-hmm. it's a tale of two cities here, right? You have the reigning MOP, best quarterback in the CFL on one hand, and a guy that we know literally nothing about besides two preseason games, right? Like this is a guy you were telling me the other day. The Bombers found, and I'm talking about Chris Strebler here. The Bombers found by accident when they went to scout another guy that you were mentioning they put him on the negotiation list. Yeah, they they, they started following him. Paul Apolis did late last year and were always intrigued by him. And two days before the Great Cup, uh, two days before the Great Cup, put him on the night list and boom, here he is. Week one starter, game one starter, national audience, Thursday night football. So the question becomes, how does the rookie... And his first pro game, because he's right out of college, fair against, you know, Mike Riley, the best quarterback in the well, CFL. Here's here's an interesting thing. I, I really feel that, um, you know, you go and you look at the video of that second drive against PC last week after the turnover. Uh, you know, it's led to the Odell, Odell Willis. I think it was who took that bat for a touchdown. No, Willis dropped it. It was, uh, it was then a pick six thrown further down the field. I forget who took it back. Yeah, so anyway, the defense in the first minute um, made the play there for BC. Second drive, he came out, you know, quit hitters five yards. The Bombers have to design something in the game plan, and I think Lapalooza is in doing that's one job of it. Five seconds or less, ball in the hand, ball out. A lot of Andrew Harris, you know, he's going to be a very integral part, not just in the running game. Uh, I'm hoping, I haven't heard if Tim Flanders is going to be playing. I don't think he played all preseason. Uh, he was injured too, so uh, don't underestimate the value of having two running bats in Andrew Harris and Johnny Ardestein. You know, they basically spell each other up. But I mean, if Andrew Harris can run for 125 to 150 yards and the Bombers keep it on the ground and all Straveler has to do is manage the game and it can keep Mike Riley off the field, Bombers will win, but that's a lot of ifs. If you want to take a look at the fantasy side of things, one guy to watch from each of these teams here in this game, for the Bombers, it's Andrew Harris. He's known as an Eskimo killer. He has great games against the Eskimos all the time. Where uh, And with Chris Strevler starting at quarterback, uh, quarterback making his first career start, you know Andrew Harris, like you mentioned, is going to be an integral part of that offense. So can I ask you a, a fantasy-related question? Sure. Are you in a position... You take Chris Traveler for cheap if it means upgrading substantially somewhere else, or do you rely too much on for production at the quarterback position in fantasy if that's a risk not worth taking? If well, I'm, quarterback position on the football field and in fantasy is basically the most important position on the field because you get underwhelming production from your quarterback, you're, you're kind of screwed in that mm-hmm. sense, right? Uh, I'm one who's known to take a chance on a quarterback at a value in CFL fantasy. That being said, and I'm very tempted to take Chris Trevor this week, 
That being said, though, week one across the board is is a toss-up. It's such a wash when it comes to CFL fantasy because you have no idea how guys are going to perform with their yeah, new teams Yeah, just like here. NFL pitcher, but you don't know who to right. pick. Right, you have then... no idea how these teams are going to perform. These guys are going to perform with their new teams. I'm known to like to take a chance on a value quarterback. I'm not sure I need to go out and pay for top dollar guys in week one at other positions, though. So I'm uh, I, I'm not necessarily starting Strevler. Uh, in fantasy to try to get, you know, more dollars elsewhere in week one. Uh, for the Eskimo side of things, a guy that's a must start for me there. I mean, Mike Riley at quarterback is the most expensive guy in CFL fantasy because uh, he gets it done uh, passing and in the running game as well. He gets a couple rushing touchdowns always. Um, other guy, a guy I'm huge on coming into this year, Bryant Mitchell, uh, wide receiver for the Eskimos. He got into a couple games last year and looked really good in the ones he played in. But due to the depth they had, he just couldn't get into the lineup a lot of the times. Uh, with Bowman gone, with uh, Brandon Zilstra gone to the NFL, I think we're going to have a big year from Bre- uh, Bryant Mitchell, and it's going to show in this game. Here's a question for you regarding fantasy for the Eskimos. A smart pit to take their defense at this point? This week against the Bombers, I think certainly, yeah, because... Rookie quarterback making his first career start, right? Uh, I have another defense in mind that we'll get to yet that I think is a must-play this week. Yeah, um, I agree. But yeah, certainly not a bad pick there. Um, so you're picking this game, Mike. Eskimos, Bombers, who who takes this one? Edmonton, 29-24. You just told me yesterday. I have it in text writing here, Mike. For the record, I'm picking Winnipeg to win Thursday. What has changed since then? Um, just the unknown with Chris Traveler and Mike Riley. And Riley, when it comes down to it at crunch time to make one more play. And Traveler's inexperience showing late in the game. I'm, I'm taking the Eskimos as well, not knowing what the Bombers' offense is going to look like with Traveler. Also not look, want, wanting to know what their defense is going to perform like. Um with with Richie Hall's scheme here and uh, Mike Riley against an unknown, I'll t- I'll take Mike Riley. Moving on, Mike, our next game of the first week of the CFL season is a rematch of the Eastern Final from this past November: the Toronto Argonauts and the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. This game, I believe, in Saskatchewan. Uh, what do you make of this matchup? Friday night at eight o'clock. Um, well, first off, it's a former. Uh, quarterback, combatants of the East Division, uh, Talaros. Former Argos quarterback, even. Yes, uh, Talaros and um, Ricky Ray. Yep. So, so that to me Former is intriguing. Teammates. It's in the Football Cathedral of Canada, uh, Mosaic Stadium. I would admit that. Um, again, it's... I'm intrigued to see what side of the ball number one Duran Carter ends up on. I, I think it's been settled based on who was all released this week for the Riders. Uh, Bakari Grant, Rob Bag, Chad Owens. I think you got to play Duran Carter at wide receiver now. I still think he plays both ways. Maybe. I, I think they need to focus him at wide receiver. Um, for this matchup, what intrigues me really is I, I'm interested to watch Ricky Ray. Because we kind of wrote him off a little bit coming into last year. And boy, did he prove us wrong. Eastern MOP nominee uh, goes on to win the Grey Cup with the Toronto Argonauts. So I think 
we're expecting a, a big season from Ricky Ray this year, and I'm interested to see how he comes out flying. I'm interested to see also how Zach Caleros does with a new team here in, in Saskatchewan against a Toronto defense that I think is very good. Here's another interesting thing. Um, as much as we made about the quarterback, I think this is a, has a possibility of being a really good game uh, defensively. Uh, you know, it's Saskatchewan defense and... We all know how Chris Jones' defense plays. Uh, tenacious ball hockey and kind of defense in Toronto, much the same way. Uh, I I think they either get a uh, wild shootout here to the account of both teams in the mid-30s or both teams barely straight to 20. I think it's somewhere in between those two. And if we're getting a wild shootout here, the question becomes, which team gets wilder, Mike? James Wilder, the Toronto Argonauts here. My question for you is, there's game tape on James Wilder now. There's a lot of hype for him coming into this year. Can he keep the pace up that he did in that second half of the season last year? I think it is, because I think so. Because, you know, for me, Toronto... Toronto was in a situation where their offense was kind of forced to go around James Wilder, and, you know, they kind of anointed him as the number one about halfway. I had about halfway through last year. He was kind of the guy. Uh, but, again, I mean, if you want to say how would I react to being the number one, I could say, I could say the same in Calgary. You know, you know, you're never the same as, you know, being the guy is a lot different than being the backup guy, right? So, you know, there's several guys in the lead this year, but you could say that very same thing, too. Uh, looking at the fantasy side of things here, a uh, guy to watch from each side. For me on the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, this changed just after the recent cuts, and I think it's, uh, I was, orig- you know, it, it's one of two guys. Naaman Roosevelt is one of the most underrated receivers in the CFL. I feel like he never gets the recognition um, maybe because Saskatchewan had a lot of great receivers around him over the last couple of years. I think he's clearly the top guy right now, though Deron Carter might have something to say about that. I, I think Naaman Roosevelt is primed for a great season as, uh, as Coleros' number one target. Uh, and when Coleros finds a target, that guy gets the ball an awful lot. And we saw that with Luke Tasker in Hamilton. Uh, so I think it could be a good day for Naaman Roosevelt. And the other one's Caleb Hawley, because... Caleb Hawley has had some big games of receiving in a rider's uniform, but has never really stuck around in the lineup. It's his chance now with the guys ahead of him let loose. Caleb Hawley will be a starter on this team all season long with a lot of playing time and a lot of chances. Can we just here. touch on one thing? Sure. Uh, Tyler Tyler Kripenia didn't miss the entire season with a lower body injury. Right. So they got that Lauder guy, Brett Lauder, I think it is. Tyler. Name. I think it's Lauder. Lauder, yeah. Lauder. Anyway. Uh, he'll be the number one kicker. What a change. Uh, I, personally, I don't see a drop-off there. He looked really good in that one preseason game in Edmonton. Uh, you know, there was some there was some discussion, oddly enough, whether they would keep him on the roster, if they could find a way to keep him on the practice roster very minimum. Now, you know, that situation kind of resolves itself. Uh, in terms of the Toronto Argonauts fantasy guys to watch, I, I, I think you see another, I think it's SJ Green again, right? Because uh, a new thing in CFL fantasy this year, you also get a point per reception. So who's a guy that's going to get a lot of catches from Ricky SJ Ray? Green. It's going to be count on 10. Yeah, it's going to be SJ Green for the Argos, right? I'd say James Wilder as well is an obvious must start. 
comes at a high price tag, and we talked about, you know, Andrew Harris as a must-start. You know, Andrew Harris, just quickly while we're on fantasy, he's the interesting dynamic, right? Because he can run and catch. And right. we're starting to see more of those. You know, you, you seem to want to have to... You have to be able to do both rather decently, I think, in today's CFL. And that's something that I think James Wilder does very well as well. So he's another strong fantasy performer there for the Argos. Your pick in this one, Mike, Argos, Riders. Just one thing quickly, I want to see Jerome Massive. He did not play all preseason. There was some thought whether the Riders might actually cut him, but, you know, Massive did the benefit of a doubt. Again, how much did he have in the tank? Argos. Or did Calgary know they had a diminishing asset? That's why they let him go. Right. Argos, Riders uh, in Saskatchewan. Who takes the opening game of the season for these Toronto, two teams? Toronto, 31-27. I'll take the Argos to win as well. I have questions about Saskatchewan's offense. You heard us talk about them on our season preview show. Um, and Toronto, I, I'm high on Toronto coming into this year, and I think they're going to have a great game here. Not that winning in Saskatchewan is ever easy. No, but again, it's, I, I don't think anybody can do it. It's with you, Ray, and I think... You know, for for me, I don't know how it came down to you. It's which defense do you trust to make the play or which offense do you trust to make the big play late in the game? And Zach Talaros the last year in a couple of games hasn't exactly been big play material. But right. Ricky Wade never to be counted on. Right. That's, and that doesn't mean that Coyos can't get back. No, I, I still think, you know, when, we, when I say 31-27, I mean a great game. Right. Both ways, one possession. Usually one defensive stop at the end of the game. We move on to part of the Saturday doubleheader, the Hamilton Tiger Cats in Calgary to face the Calgary Stampeders. Um, what do you make of this matchup? I want to see first off how much Johnny Manziel plays and if they have any special Johnny Manziel packages. I don't buy for a minute that June Jones says there's no Johnny Manziel special packages. I, I find that a little bit short, uh, short-sighted for sure, but... I want to see how the defense stats up for Hamilton. I want to see if Hamilton can have success moving the ball with Jeremiah Mazzoli on this Calgary defense. And, of course, like I said in the season preview show, offensive line. Hamilton's is a little more proven. Calgary, you know, show me what you got. It's going to be my, our first look at Calgary. Uh, outside of Calgary uh, because they weren't on TV in the preseason. You know, it's kind of interesting because I feel like this is maybe a bit of a role reversal for these two teams uh, this offseason. I feel like the Ticats are a team that usually goes through quite a bit of changeover. They didn't really change much in the offseason. The Stampeders are a team that seems to stay relatively consistent. See, and that's my question, right? I, I posed the Washington Capitals analogy, right? When you have all the star power, you know, you kind of unload a little bit. When not much is expected of you, that's when you go to win, you know, the big thing. So I wonder if Calgary's going to be playing that role a little bit. I think Hamilton's going to feed off of the momentum they had from last year uh, coming into this season. But boy, do they get a real kick in the shin in week one to have to go to Calgary, which is a spot that it's never easy to win. Granted, they, I believe the Stampeders did lose their last two or three home games last year. When they had a bit of a losing streak yeah, down the I, stretch. Yeah, I think Hamilton goes to a lot of Western places at a start of the season. I'm not sure whether, actually, their week two game is, I think, I'm trying to remember. I know they did the Bombers in week two or week three, but I think they did another. Yeah, they go to they go to Calgary, then Edmonton, then uh, host the Bombers, then yeah, a home-and-home so home with Saskatchewan. What's, so. the, what's, the, what's the difference between that uh, game in Calgary and game in Edmonton? 
In terms of number of days? Yeah. Um, it is six days. Six days. I'm assuming Hamilton is probably staying on the road. It's another day to get home and another day to get back out west. So, so they might be staying uh, in Alberta. Nonetheless, I, I, I still think that this will be a better game than some people think it will be. It will certainly be better. I, I, I can assure you of this. Than the sixty to one beatdown right. that Calgary laid on Hamilton early in the season. Or last the year. one bad play late in the game. Remember when Bowley by Mitchell made that huge play to win the one game? Yeah. And, and interesting storylines here for me are just to see, yeah, like you said, the you know, the turnover in Calgary. What's that gonna look like? I wanna see how Bowie by Mitchell plays in week one. I think he's gonna come out flying. I wanna see what Terry Williams does now that he's the number one starter by queer because he came in as the third string in a game last year and fantasy wise he had 35 fantasy points in the game as a third string running back yeah it's it's a very interesting dynamic um you know on the way we're talking it's this is really a toss-up pitch and i think it is i i have a bit of a clear you know one team ahead of the other that i'm picking in this one but i agree with you like it's a close game here uh, guys to watch from the fantasy perspective. Guy I'm absolutely having in my lineup this week for sheer production from value alone, it's Terry Williams. I mean, running back for the Calgary Stampeders. you got to start two running backs in TSN CFL Fantasy. Uh, if you can get a guy like Terry Williams for a cheap price, starting running back in a great offense like Calgary, that's a no-brainer. Um, from the Ticats side of things, I, I think it's, it's Terrence Tolliver. Right. Brandon Banks, that's first play of the game. Yeah, first play of the game, an 80-yard pass down the field, touchdown to Brandon Banks, assuming, you know, he's left open again, which happens every time. But uh, I could see that happening. But I think Terrence Tolliver is out to prove that he's healthy and ready to go this year. And uh, I I think he's going to come out and play strong. So who are you taking in this one, Mike? Calgary, Hamilton, who is your pick? Well, I, I would say, you know, there's certain aspects that tilt the game in a, in a team's favor. One of them is turnovers. Bowley by Mitchell did not turn the ball over much. Jeremiah Mazzoli, I'm a little worried he's going to start to push things if they're not there. Calgary wins a close one. Yeah, I'm taking Calgary as well. That's excellent what you mentioned about the turnovers because I, I, I think the couple games that stick in our head when you mention that is that uh, that rain, lightning, storm game here in Winnipeg a couple of years ago where the Ticats came, you had the long rain delay and the Bombers jumped out to like a 21 nothing lead or something uh, like that. Late in the first quarter. Late in the first quarter due to, it started off with pick six, I think, by Mazzoli. And then you have that uh, preseason game, and I know it's only preseason, but against the Argos, the Ticats turned the ball over 10 times there. And that was against the Argos, who basically had no regulars playing. And Calgary's a team that's always going to make you pay when you turn the ball over, right? Plus, they're at home. I'm taking the Stampeders to win this one as well. Who do I like punting a little bit? Rob Naver over... Castillo catching? Haralahu. Or Liam, right? Yeah. Liam Castillo was just let go by the Ottawa Red Blacks. So, yeah, it's just uh, it's a very interesting scenario. 
Uh, and then our final game of the week, Mike, the Montreal Alouettes and the BC Lions. Uh, two teams that didn't make the playoffs last year finished last in their respective divisions. One of these teams gets to start off their season with a win, uh, with a point in, B- in the win column. In BC, correct? In BC. So Montreal historically has not done well in BC with the late time change and all that kind of stuff. Yes. Yeah. I, I think that plays a large role in this one. Um, interesting thing to me. I mean, all eyes are on the quarterbacks in this one, I think. The interesting thing is, BC played late in the week against Montreal. Montreal has to go then across the country, presumably Saturday morning, to next Friday they play the Bombers. Yeah, at home in Montreal. Yeah. So, again, a lot of quick turnarounds. Here's the thing for me. It's the quarterback position that everyone's focused on with these two teams, right? It's Drew Willey, how he's going to perform for the Alouettes, and it's how Jonathan Jennings is going to bounce back from it down here. Here is what I would caution. We're going to make our pick, but let's not write the book on either of these two teams on one game. Right. Because Montreal third one and all that. Woo! They didn't have a better team. BC, right? Oh, they're going to be in first place, but wait, they played Montreal. And that goes for any team this week, right? Don't well, draw comparisons well, from one win or one loss. No, I understand that, but more so between these two teams, right? Because they played so bad last year, and both of them have a wonderful opportunity to get out on the right foot. One might suggest that this one ends up in a tie. <laughs> if this one ends up in a tie, so help me. But no, in all, in all seriousness, I think one team is Heavily favored over the other. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, I think we're both taking BC to win this one. Uh, for me, it's almost, you know, I, I, I watch the Alouettes games with a different perspective coming into this year. It's not a matter of can they go out and win this game? It's can they show me that they've improved and are competitive, right? And obviously you still want to see can this team go out and win a game because you need to win games. But I just want to see the... Who did I want to play in week three? Uh, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. See, so look at this from Montreal's perspective. BC, Winnipeg, Saskatchewan. Ouch. Yeah, that's not that's not the greatest start. Granted, the Bombers will have uh, an unknown quarterback. If, you know, Straveler gets another game, that'll be predicated on what happens Thursday night, but... For me, Montreal has to come out of these first three games, one and two. I think they can do it. If they come out of this 0-3, it puts a whole heck of a lot more weight on their divisional games. Fantasy guys I'm looking to in this game, a couple of wide receivers for both of these teams here. Both these wide receivers played for the BC Lions last year. For the Montreal Alouettes, it's wide receiver Chris Williams coming over. Uh, He's got to have that break, though. You're Williams the last couple years. Quite frankly, he was on teams where they had crowded wide receivers. Well, he was great when he was in Ottawa. Got right. injured there, right? Ended up going to BC in the offseason when Ottawa had to unload a little bit. Was that a serious injury that put him back in BC? Uh, or in Ottawa, pardon me? I think so. He missed quite... Because he missed quite a bit of time when he was with the Lions still, too. See, so you're not... This is the interesting dynamic for me, too. A healthy Chris Williams that had presumably... His first real offseason in a number of years to train. You know, because he didn't train much coming into last year to do still recovering from the injuries. So, 
for me, a healthy Chris Williams for one whole offseason, but uh, she had this year to me, I think will make the world a difference. But the problem is 10 people get him the ball. Right. Yeah, that's the big question mark there. Uh, I think he's the guy to watch for the Alouettes. Also, B.J. Cunningham is one of the most underrated receivers in the CFL. I think he's another guy for the Alouettes that will definitely, if they can get him the ball, have a great year and have a great game here. For the BC Lions side of things, you've heard me talk up about him for a long time now already. It's Shaq Johnson. Uh, he had about 600 yards last year, a very quiet 600 yards. Is Shaq Johnson a thousand-yard receiver in your mind this year? Could be. He very well could be. Because you look at the BC Lions receiving core, there's no Chris Williams this year. There's no Nick Moore because he's retired. Uh, Marco Iannuzzi even got it, you know, a couple more receptions last year. He's retired since then as well. Basically, you're looking at it, Manny Arsenault, Brian Burnham are your big two. Uh, Shaq Johnson, I would slide in as your number three guy right now. And uh, as a value play, as a guy that doesn't come with a large salary in week one this season, he's a guy I'm putting on my fantasy roster. Um, and then defensively, I think the Lions are the pick here out of all teams to go defensively in week one, just because, you know, their defense comes in cheap because their defense was not that great last year. Um, and because they had a lot of changeover at the defensive back position, but they're going against Montreal's offense, which with Drew Willie at the helm, uh, we don't know what we're going to get yet. So finally, I think it kind of bears repeating about, you know, our pit. I have some concern. I am picking uh, BC. Four months off to stay in this game. They need to move the ball, keep their offense on the field, keep their defense off the field, do about a 60-40 split time-wise, preferably tilted in the offensive direction, and then have some continuity and make some plays. If the defense starts giving up touchdowns, I'm not sure they can play a game that is tilted towards playing a shootout. I just don't think Montreal built to play that way. I think they're built to win the oddly 10-7, 19-7. The only problem is I don't think there's a lot of games uh, there to be won. Defense needs to keep it to under 25 or even under 20 preferably. I just don't know if they can do that. Well, Mike, without further ado, we've talked about uh, our takes on these four games here. Let's get into our featured interview of the week, and that's uh, Mr. Andrew Hoskins, one of the hosts of the Eskimo Empire podcast, uh, was nice enough to join me for an interview Saturday evening. Uh, we talked at length about uh, who has the edge on all three sides of the ball uh, between the Bombers and the Eskimos, and then about the other matchups of this week as well. So without further ado, let's get into my interview with Andrew. And now I'm pleased to welcome our guest for our week one CFL preview to the show. He's the host of the Eskimo Empire podcast, Mr. Andrew Hoskins. Andrew, how are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you again for uh, having me back on, Ryan. It's always nice to sit down and chat some football with you. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for joining us. Still holding the record for, I think, the most appearances in this podcast <laughs> history. I imagine you'll continue to do so, and we always appreciate having you on here now. Uh, we're here talking about the first week of the CFL season coming up right away. Uh, before we get into that, uh, as we know, you uh, you underwent a bit of a terrible tobogganing accident this off season. How's the uh, how's the recovery of that going? 
Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's it's been tough for sure, but um, it's it's coming along slowly but surely. It's um, you know, it's it's weird, right? You uh, you think you're doing something that's just kind of fun and right. no big deal, and next thing you know, you you've blown up a vertebrae, and <laughs> that's not very fun. Um, so you know, Typical it's Saturday, it's, right? It, well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I mean, hey, why why the heck not? Um, and uh, the the good thing is, is I mean, I have I had an amaz- amazing surgeon who was able to get in and and kind of protect it with some. Uh, um, titanium bars to kind of keep everything where it's supposed to be and uh, as far as i know it's coming along really well at last we x-rayed it it actually looks like there's bone where there should be bone so we're we're getting back to the the good side of things and and uh, now it's just walking and and waiting until uh, i get the second surgery to get that titanium stuff out and um, once that's done then we do a bit of rehab and it looks like i'll be uh, pretty much back to well i was never normal so get me back to somewhere where my norm is i guess yeah wonderful to hear and uh i hear you had some uh some great visitors during your uh, recovery time as well namely the commissioner of the cfl mr randy ambrosi paying you a visit what was that like yeah uh it was surreal uh that's the best word that i can use for it because uh i sent out just a message to him just kind of as a joke because he was coming to do the town hall and said you know i I can't make the town hall but uh you know i don't live far from the stadium if you want to visit and uh next thing you know my you know the my wife's you know getting me all uh, you know, dressed and say, oh, you should probably wear this and you could do this. And oh, what the, what is going on? And and uh, next thing you know, I've got the commissioner walking up my side. And I didn't know he was coming until he was walking up my sidewalk. So um, incredible. I was completely blown away. And um, I mean, Randy is he's a, a genuine person on top of being what I think a, a very good commissioner. So um, for him to take the time there and to come and to hear what we had to say and answer our questions, uh, it, it was just, it was truly amazing. And uh, I mean, I'll, I'll forever be indebted to him for that. Cause I, I just thought that it was just such a moving moment for me and, and really motivating too. Certainly, certainly getting into talking about the Edmonton Eskimos we're going to talk about the Eskimos versus Bombers game here and the different matchups in that one but I want to start with the off season cuz in preparation for this interview I was going through I was compiling a list of the additions and the subtractions for the Edmonton Eskimos and I tell you it took me a solid about 10 minutes to write out all of the subtractions from this team the Eskimos <laughs> lost a lot of guys this off season your overall take on what they did this off season and uh, do you like it or do you not like it uh, overall, I was actually pretty okay with it. Um, I think that they did. You're right. We did lose uh, definitely some names. Uh, when you start talking about a Darius Bowman, which of course you're particularly familiar with going oh, to Winnipeg. So, yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, as, as you should, uh, of course, then, uh, Odell Willis and Brandon Zilstra and, and even guys like Joey Figueroa from the offensive line and, and Corey Watson, who played a, a big role as that Canadian receiver, um, in, in our group, those are fairly big names when you start talking about those things. But the, the cool thing for me though, was that even though that happened, because of the number of injuries that the Eskimos had last year, they had so many guys that got to play and and kind of were forced into the fire, so to speak, because of the injuries. And it was those guys that were now showing that they can play in this league because it's, 
you know, we had a bit of a drop off in the middle of the season, but then we picked right back up and, and did okay. So I, I really think that that's where, where you look at the free agency kind of session as far as the Eskimos are concerned the what they mostly did was re-sign guys that they already had which sounds funny when we're talking about all these subtractions but but they really did stick to signing guys back and uh, that, I think that was a huge thing to, to help carry over yes we got rid of some guys or, or lost some guys that I thought were um, big parts of this team but as I'm watching in training camp and I'm seeing there's other leaders that are now being able to be the leader that they want to be. And, and I think it's actually going to help this team in the long run. Yeah, that's the thing, because I think initially in the offseason, we see these guys being let go or leaving as free agents. And you think, boy, the, did the Eskimos take a step back? But then you realize that uh, 75 percent of these guys were on the injured list at some point or another <laughs> last year. And uh, it just speaks to the depth in the Edmonton organization. Uh, looking at the preseason games for the Eskimos, they have that first game uh, against the Saskatchewan Rough Riders to kick off the preseason where they perform really well in that one. And then yes. uh, mostly backups coming to Winnipeg for the second game here. And that kind of showed a little bit. Uh, generally, yes. what did you see from the team in the preseason? Well, I one thing that I will say is that when all the number ones were on, uh, it they looked like they had were picking up fairly easily from last season. So to me, that was a really good sign. And I, I thought in that Saskatchewan game that there was a good mix of kind of ones and twos going on. I mean, I know we had our offense ones on for, you know, most of the first half uh, of, of minus Mike Riley, who basically did two drives <laughs> and showed, got two touchdowns and said, okay, I'm good. Yeah, uh, I'm good to go. Uh, so I, I really liked that. I, I did see... Uh, well, let me be fair. I didn't see. I listened to the second game that was in Winnipeg. And and yes, I agree. We definitely had some uh, our, our second guys coming and they had a rougher go. Now, there was a couple of guys that really had good games. When you look at uh, Gerald Rivers, who is a defensive end that it really stood out throughout camp and, and through both games. Uh, and then you look at guys like Jordan Robinson, who had the the big uh, touchdown in the, in the first game. And then in the second game, of course he has the big return touchdown. Right. So I think that's really what we look for in any type of preseason. It's like, which are the guys that you don't regularly know that now all of a sudden look to stand out and are your regular guys, do they look like they're ready to go as they were at the end of last season. And and I would think out of both preseason games, that's mostly what we saw. Well, and that's the tricky thing about preseason too, is that generally teams start their starters at home, play the backups on the road. So you constantly yeah. get starters against backups. How much stock do you put into it? I generally don't put much stock into preseason results. You know, the Riders have lost every preseason game in the last four years, apparently. So. <laughs> <laughs> and they still do. Well, they do well, okay, I guess. They do but... okay. Last game is bad. <laughs> <laughs> they, could, they could keep that O record forever. I'd be fine with that. Oh, I think we would as well. Yeah, I figured. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the teams around the league making their cuts uh, today as they trim their rosters down to get ready for the season. Uh, most notable cut, I think, for the Edmonton Eskimos appears to be defensive back, defensive back Brandon Thompson. What do you make of his uh, dismissal from the team? 
I think that's really injury related uh, because I don't think that he's fully recovered from his Achilles that happened at the end of last season. Uh, he didn't hit the field at all during training camp any any of the times. Uh, obviously, no games, but but not even practices. Uh, so I could see where that was going. And, and to be honest, uh, I mean, I'm a big BT fan. I, I wanted him to be here. I love how he locked down that corner, but. Forrest Hightower, who is healthy now this year, has played really, really well in, in the ones uh, on the defense. So I would think that that probably played into it. But I, I think mostly it's because there's an injury and he wasn't really able to show what he could do at this point. Getting into our week one preview, and we'll start off with the game that matters most to both of us here, the Eskimos and the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Uh, generally, uh, for a game preview, I kind of like to go through the three sides of the ball, offense, defense, and special teams, and see Sounds which good. team has the edge there. So let's start with the offensive side of the ball. Who do you give the edge to in this matchup? Uh, in this matchup, I would give it to the Eskimos. Uh, I mean, we, I know, probably don't like talking about it a whole lot, but you're, you're coming in with a quarterback that uh, is unproven. Not that not that either Ross or Strevler, and, and from what I've seen of those games or and or heard of those games, I would think that Ross likely is the starter. But Yeah, um, it, was, it, was, it was questionable after the first game, after last night, it uh, pretty much confirmed it. So Yeah, that's, that's kind of what I've been going with. So, so I would give, I mean, don't get me wrong, uh, when you got a, a quarterback in there that doesn't have a lot of experience like that, but you've got Andrew Harris in the back, and Andrew Harris is an Eskimo killer, as we well know. Yes. Um, I do believe that there will be, uh, I, I don't think the Winnipeg offense is going to be horrible, but if I had to give an edge, I'm going to give it to the team that has the experienced quarterback that basically all of the receivers have been in the system for the past two years, and I think they're just going to have more chemistry right off the start and I think that I'd give the edge that way yeah I think if you're going to choose between a guy making potentially his first career start and Mike Riley I think you're generally going to choose Mike Riley (laughs) even Uh, a guy who has had experience you still might pick Mike (laughs) Riley I mean that's just the way it is pretty much any matchup you pick Mike Riley but um, mostly yeah does this change at all if Matt Nichols was playing this game for the Bombers or do you still give the Eskimos the edge uh, I'd probably still give the Eskimos an edge, but it would be a smaller edge than what it is against Ross. And I don't mean to say I don't want to take sound like I think Alex Ross is a bad quarterback. I right. think that he actually showed, like I said, quite well last night and and he was going up against a lot of the BC Lions ones. So so that was I thought he did fairly well. But I, I just think that if you're going to again, if you're going to talk about chemistry throughout, I think you're more likely to see that on the Eskimos right now. Yeah, certainly, and I give the edge to, the edge to the Eskimos in this one as well. You know, Mike Riley, Darrell Walker, some of those guys, Vidal Hazelton, even those younger guys like Duke Williams and uh, Bryant Mitchell, who kind of got in and out of the lineup last year. And you got CJ a full year of CJ Gable here in Edmonton. Yeah. I'm very excited to see that because, as we all know, great running back, often underused in Hamilton. And I think, well, we saw very well in the uh, West semifinal here in Winnipeg last year what CJ Gable can do. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Carry the whole defense into the touch into the end zone. Yeah, exactly. uh, no, I, I, I do. I am excited about that for sure. And having him have more reps with Riley at this point and even just for the blocking ability, like his blocking ability is second to none. And I, I'm excited because that gives Mike more time to get it to the other guys you already mentioned. 
what's the situation with the offensive line like in Edmonton? Because you lost a couple guys there, Simeon Rotier retiring, uh, Joel Figueroa, you mentioned that before. Uh, what do you make of the state of the offensive line? Well, I think out of the entire team, that's probably where my biggest concern is, is that uh, the offensive tackle position, I think we are uh, a little rough, to say the least. I, I do think that Colin Kelly did do better at the end of last year. And I hope that he can carry that over into this year. Uh, but now we're, we're going with now a, a guy named Andrew Peterson actually kind of took over that right tackle spot uh, throughout training camp. And uh, he did seem to give a little more time. The middle of the line, I'm really happy with Sorensen, O'Donnell, Beard. I'm not worried about that at all. And I think our Canadian depth behind those guys is very good. Uh, my only concern would be the offensive tackles. Now, looking at the defensive side of the ball, this is the big question mark to me because this is two teams that have had quite a bit of changeover on the defensive side of the ball this offseason. Who do you give the edge? Oh, that is a tough one. Because uh, if there was one thing that the Eskimos really had a rough go with last year, it was stopping the run. And what's Winnipeg good at again? Oh, yeah, running, running the, the ball. ball. So that, uh, I, I honestly, and, and I don't know just because I haven't really seen Big Hill in action in this Winnipeg defense, but I think that is a huge pickup for them. Uh, I really do think that that will make a difference. Honestly, I think right now, because I haven't really seen enough of either one of them, I'd say it's a draw. Yeah, yeah, I would tend to agree with that. I think I might give the edge again, probably because I haven't seen much of Edmonton's new look defense there. I think maybe I give a bit of the edge to the Bombers. I like all of the guys they've brought in. They really improved the defensive backfield. Uh, Adam Big Hill is an outstanding last second addition uh, at the middle linebacker position, which was the biggest hole they had this offseason. And granted, it's preseason. How much stock do you take into preseason results? One of the biggest issues for the Bombers last year was not being able to get to the quarterback. And the defensive line did an outstanding job of that all offseason long. So I give a bit of a bit, bit of an edge to the Bombers, but it's also with an asterisk beside it because we don't know what we're going to get from Richie Hall. And that's the big question, uh, the defensive scheme for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Yeah, no, I would agree with you. And, and one of the things that I saw in training camp with the Eskimos was that the it was a much more aggressive style of defense than we've been used to seeing under Mike Benavides. So now does that burn them or does does that make them better? I'm not sure, but I can tell you that that front four uh, with, with Sewell and, and Boateng and Bazzi and, and likely uh, Mike Moore, they are going to, they're going to push that offensive line to say the least. So I think it'll be very interesting to watch for that first game of the year. Now, the majority of guys that got starts on the defensive line last year for the Eskimos uh, were on their way out this offseason. Marcus Howard, Philip Hunt, Odell Willis uh, mm -hmm. in that trade. John Chick just looking through. Daquan Bowers retiring after one season. Euclid Cummings. You know, the list goes on there. Your two kind of main guys you mentioned, Sewell and then Kwaku Boateng, uh, who I know you guys are big fans of over there in Edmonton. Absolutely. Um, that was kind of my biggest concern for the Eskimos is the defensive line coming into this season. Uh, Alex Bazzi is a pretty good addition there. Are you are are you confident in the defensive line? Uh, I am for sure with with Kwaku and Mondo, uh, and actually Mike Moore 
has shown a whole new level as we've been watching him. And and we also got Jake Ceresna in that trade right, from yes. Ottawa. Yeah. And he's been a beast in training camp. So I, I, I'm not worried about that. Bazzi hadn't, didn't show a lot in the uh, preseason games. So I'm, I'm definitely looking for more from him. On the other hand, we do have Darius Allen as a backup for him. And Darius Allen was a monster and Gerald Rivers is a monster. So uh, getting, you know, two sacks and that. That first preseason game so I, I would think that honestly just from watching them in practice uh, uh, my concerns about the defensive line were gone I, I think they're going to be quite okay uh, looking at the special teams uh, side of the ball here I, I I give this one a tie I think you've got some great kickers in Sean White and Justin Medlock and liked what I saw from the uh, return guy is, is Robinson the starting returner this year after training camp or uh, who who's getting the job there uh, we haven't heard yet for sure because it'll be between him and Jamil Smith. Right. Uh, and I I do think, in my opinion, if they're keeping Jamil Smith around, likely that he is going to either be on the practice roster or he's going to be the starting returner. Okay. <laughs> and same with Jordan Robinson. Uh, he could be a practice roster or he could be the starting returner. Um I do think with Robinson's speed that there's more likelihood that we do see him, but it'll be one of those two for sure. Yeah, and Robinson uh, looked great on that punt return touchdown against the Bombers there in the preseason. I feel like that's the one, one of the positions the Eskimos the last number of years haven't found a, a, a steadfast guy to hold down that position year after year. So perhaps Robinson's finally the guy. It, yeah, we're we're all crossing our fingers here. We haven't had a, a really solid, consistent returner since probably Winston October in the early 2000s. So, so we're it's funny, you know, all these uh, guys go through the league and you see the other teams with all these returners and we just haven't been able to find a, a consistent returner like that. So we're, we're hoping we can finally have one of those guys for sure. I give this uh, this side of the matchup, the special team side, I think I actually, in hindsight, give a bit of an edge to the Eskimos because uh, the, the cover teams, we've seen the Bombers in the preseason struggle with that. Robinson returns that touchdown. Then we saw what Chris Rainey did uh, last night in BC. Granted, those were called back due to penalties. Yes. But, uh, <laughs> and now they've changed the rules this year, so Mike O'Shea can't go and try his trickery with the kicks and the onside <laughs> guy, so... <laughs> <laughs> it's very true. Um, I, I don't know. I, I would look at, uh, I, honestly, be until my the, the Eskimos, my, but until the Eskimos actually show me that they can win a special teams battle other than Sean White, because Sean White is an amazing kicker. He's money. Uh, and absolutely. He is money. And um, Hugh O'Neill has shown that his punting is amazing this year, which is great. But the biggest issue that we've had is we can't get a return and our cover teams are kind of hit and miss. So I, I want them to sh prove me wrong and actually win that battle. But I, I would actually give the edge to the Bombers just because I think they have more guys that are that have been in the system. And, and Mike O'Shea's a, a special teams genius. So. So give us a pick in this one, Andrew. Uh, Eskimos, Bombers, Thursday night, Investors Group Field. Who's taking game one? Oh, I'm going to say the Eskimos for sure. Um, I, I mean, <laughs> I mean, you're asking me, of course, I'm going to say the Eskimos, but, but uh, actually that's not true. I don't always say that, but I, I actually do think that the Eskimos pull this one off. I think they're, they're they've got a hungry team. They, they do have, uh, you know, they, they really want to show that they can, you know, 
protect all the way down and protect their locker room at the end of the season. And I think they want to start that off right. And I know they really go with it. You know, every every week is a season and you're O and O every week and right. you go in and do what you need to do. But I, I just think that I think this offense has had a lot of time to gel with guys that have been in the system forever. And there's going to be names that not everyone is aware of, like you said, Bryant Mitchell. Um, and I have a feeling that there, you just can't cover them all. And it's going to end up being an, uh, the Eskimos' favorite. I, I, that's what I, I think. That'll be the major difference. Is just that difference in the offense. Yeah, no, and I'll I'll agree with you here. I will uh, likely end up leaving Investors Group Field Thursday <laughs> a little disappointed. Uh, maybe you know I think I had a harder time picking the winner in this one before Matt Nichols went down, but just the question marks at quarterback. Defensively, the Bombers did a lot to improve their team this offseason, but. You know, how long does it take to actually get all the pieces coordinated together? Going Mike Riley going against a team that maybe hasn't, you know, coordinated everything well together. I'll, I'll take the Eskimos to win this one as well. Yeah, I, I think that's really what the I, I totally agree with you. If, if Matt Nichols was in there, I, I think this game would be a lot harder to call. Uh, quickly, uh, looking at the three other matchups this week and how you see those ones going, uh, the Arg, the Grey Cup champion Toronto Argonauts in Regina facing the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. First of all, uh, your thoughts on the Riders making a number of notable cuts today, Bakari Grant, Chad Owens, Rob Bag, and the latest one, offensive lineman Travis Bond. Yeah, that last one totally blew my mind because uh you know they're they they cut um ah what was that guy's name that went to cal i don't know why i can't derek dennis thank you i don't know his his name just escapes me but uh i mean they basically cut him to bring in space to bring in bond and then to get rid of bond and bond is a mountain of a man and he was amazing in winnipeg I, i was kind of actually wondering what winnipeg was doing not hanging on to him but um, I, I think it was just a lack of cap space and an american at the position where you generally try to start a lot of canadians i think he was just a casualty of that probably yeah so it's uh and and that might be why he's released here because the one of the things with the riders is and i, I sat down and, and talked about this with brazilian Thai a little bit while ago is like where is your seven canadian starters Right. And I, so it could be that type of situation as well. Um, and, and same thing with the receivers, although I was a, a little bit surprised with Bakari Grant because I thought that he fit into the system quite well last yeah, year. Thousand yard uh, receiver last year. Exactly. So, you know, Chad Owens with his injury history, I can kind of wrap my head around that. But uh, Bakari Grant was a bit of a surprise. So uh, I'm, I'm not sure exactly how that's going to play out. But I mean, do, do we, any of us know what Chris Jones is thinking? I don't even think Chris Jones knows what he's thinking. Half yeah, I would agree. I would agree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't. Uh, uh, so I, I don't know. I mean, he, does, he won't wear a hat. He just wears a towel. So uh, how do we uh, how do you expect for him to make other good decisions? I, I don't know. So I, I'm not entirely sure how that's going to look. Uh, I don't know if they actually gave Coleros enough time in training camp or in the preseason games especially in a brand new system that that totally surprised me actually uh so who do you uh how do you see this matchup between the argos and the riders going and uh who's your pick to win this one well uh, i again this probably won't be a surprise to anyone but i'm picking toronto uh mostly because i have to make sure that saskatchewan loses as much as possible (laughs) but also because uh you know my boy is in in, uh, toronto now with uh, mr franklin yeah 
So uh, uh, he's learning from Ricky. And uh, let me tell you, that's going to be a lethal combination. So I, I, I'm going to give the edge to Toronto in this one. Yeah, I do too. I, I, I love what Toronto did this offseason. Another year with Mark Tressman working together with Ricky Ray. Anthony Calvillo as the quarterback coach. Uh, it, you know, as if Ricky Ray actually needed someone of that caliber. <laughs> Don't teach him. But uh, I thought they improved their defense really well, uh, especially that backfield this offseason. And a uh, full season of James Wilder there. Uh, yeah, that's, that's what I was just going to say. Yeah, that James Wilder factor is going to be huge. Saskatchewan, I don't know what's going on there anymore. Uh, not that I ever really did. Um, but after, you know, today's cuts, a couple question marks there. That being said, who knows? We could be watching that game, I believe, Friday or Saturday, and all of a sudden a couple pick sixes from Deron Carter. Uh, <laughs> could be. But you never know. But, yeah, I, I give this edge to the Toronto Argonauts as well. Not that I think the Riders are going to have a bad year here, but uh, I think it might take some time to figure things out. Yes, absolutely. Uh, next game on the list this weekend, the Hamilton Tiger Cats, uh, whether it's uh, Mazzoli or Manziel, uh, likely Mazzoli, obviously, uh, facing the Calgary Stampeders. How do you see this one going? Well, my heart says that Hamilton's got a win, but this is going, this is, that, that's in Calgary, I believe, too, isn't yeah, it? Not? Yeah. 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 Calgary just doesn't lose at home very often. And uh, I, I, although I do see, Calgary possibly taking a bit of a step back this year with the changes in their in their defensive secondary. Uh, I don't think they're making a huge step backwards. So uh, I, I I think Calgary takes this first one. Right. Yeah. Everyone expects them every year to take a step back, and they never do because John Hufnagel yeah. just finds new guys to plug in there. So <laughs> very true. <laughs> I think that, I think the Tie Cats are a promising team this year. Uh, certainly off of what they, you know, finished off last year with, but yeah, week one until we know what we're going to get, uh, chances are, uh, it's likely Calgary going to take this one. Yeah, I would think so. Uh, and then final game of the week, the one everyone's clamoring for the Montreal Alouettes at the BC Lions. Well, now the good thing of this is that the BC Lions did want to start on a winning note <laughs> and I believe they are going to get that. They they were gifted the Montreal Alouettes in week one, and feel so bad. Poor Cliffy D must hate listening to me. But I think, um, yeah, I, I think I think BC has done some great things this off season, um, especially on that O line and D line. Um, the the balance of Napton and Willis on the D line coming off both edges is just nasty so uh i i do think that and again uh, you know it's it's drew willie and we don't know what their offensive line is going to be like in montreal so how long is it going to be drew Willie? we don't really know but uh but i i think bc's got a really good chance uh Jennings, jennings i thought actually looked really good in his preseason time that he got last night so i i would i would give the edge to bc in this one yeah i've got the over under at about five quarterback changes and three head coaching changes by labor day Excellent. Well, I'll take the over. That's excellent. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I agree with you. I mean, Montreal, I think they'll be more competitive this year. I, unlike a lot of people, liked uh, many of the things Cavis Reed did this offseason. Uh, but then the quarterback situation is such an if right now. And uh, who knows what's going, what the season's going to look like for the Alouettes. And I, for one, just can't see a Wally Buono team being as, you know, struggling as much as they did last year, a second year in a row. Oh, I agree. And and plus it's in BC, right? right. So uh, Montreal having that travel out to BC, they have always had a harder time 
being able to put some points on the board and, and have a good showing with the time change and all those types of things. So all of those things kind of add up. And, and I do want to say what you, what you've made a good point though. I did think that Cavis did some great things as far as the defensive backfield and, and helping out there. Uh, but again, that quarterback situation just makes it so hard for us to, to jump on the bandwagon and pick Montreal. Now, are you, uh, are you playing the CFL fantasy this year, Andrew? Absolutely. Yes. I, uh, I won't make you, uh, show all your cards and give away all your secrets <laughs> here because obviously there's people listening that are going to jump on whatever you say here. Um, but if there's one guy that's a must start in week one, uh, fantasy wise around the league, who is it? Uh, well, okay. That's, that's, there's a wide variety of guys that I would say that would be a, a, a must start. I think that if you're brand new to fantasy, uh, what you want to do is build a team around Mike Riley. The guy makes more fantasy points than anyone <laughs> in the past two years. So um, it's a great way to break in. And then you've got to try and find some of those deals on guys that, right. that are going to give you some production that aren't as expensive. And and but when you start looking at those types of situations, uh, a guy that I that I'm actually looking at quite a bit is uh, is Terry Williams in Calgary. Yes. He's likely going to be the starting running back, and he's coming dirt cheap right now. And if you can get a starting running back uh, less than three grand in fantasy, you you pick that up. Absolutely, and I think another guy that's a huge value guy coming into this year is a guy we saw last night in that preseason game between the Bombers and the. BC Lions is Lions receiver Shaq Johnson, who yes. is looking like he had, I think, about 600 yards last year, has a more prominent role as wide receiver this year and uh, looked great in training camp. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he looked really, really good uh, and, and looked good last night for sure. So, yeah, I think there's uh, there's definitely some some gems. There's going to be more that'll change as you go along. Uh, one that I know we've talked about and you mentioned him off the top of the show. Uh, uh, we're here very big fans of Bryant Mitchell. He's still fairly cheap in fantasy. I would expect for him to have quite the year because how, how do you focus? You've got Walker, Hazleton. Um, likely Stafford in there as well. Um, all these guys and and Gable and guess who that leaves that doesn't get covered? Right, Bryant Mitchell. So I I, I would pick him up at a at a lower price as well. Uh, just to wrap things up here, as we get set for the 2018 CFL season, where do you see the Edmonton Eskimos finishing uh, in the regular season and in the playoffs if that happens? Which, I mean, let's be real, it's going to happen. Uh, <laughs> I sure hope so. Good Lord, <laughs> something, something went terribly wrong. Something wrong if, that, uh, if that's not the case. Yeah, yeah, I, I would agree with that. Uh, I, I, You know, I don't usually do this, but this year... Uh, as I've been talking to other people, I have been predicting the Eskimos to finish first. And um, the reason for that is, is their Canadian depth. Um, they've done an amazing job the last probably four years of building that Canadian depth. And in these last two drafts, we've had all but four guys sign with the team and be with the team in some type of role. And that's just kind of unheard of in a Canadian draft. And so that Canadian depth, I think, is going to go a long way for this team to to have some success. So I'm, I'm predicting them to finish first and, and get to the Grey Cup game. I've given up on trying to pick the West Division. Uh, it, changes, <laughs> it changes with the weather. Sunny outside of the Eskimos, raining in Saskatchewan. 
<laughs> that's an excellent, excellent uh, tie-in. Raining means Saskatchewan. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> that was accidental, but we'll take. Yeah, it. worked well. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and then uh, I'll put you on the spot here. Do you have a Grey Cup prediction for us uh, before the season starts? Well, again, it's very early, but uh, I think it will be Edmonton and Toronto in the Grey Cup. And I think Edmonton finally pulls off the one thing they haven't done, and that's win a Grey Cup at home. I think that's the matchup I have as well. And uh, unfortunately, you're not going to like to hear this. I actually have the Toronto Argonauts repeating as Grey Cup champions. Well, you know what? I can't say that you're wrong i can't say that that's way out there i i can definitely see that happening i i don't know there's just something i just feel that's different around this team so uh, i'm i'm gonna go with that and, and just be my little homer self <laughs> fair enough fair enough <laughs> uh, i thought the bombers were gonna be competitive this year but uh with the injury to matt nichols who knows that being said they have a bit of a weaker schedule at the start of the season until he gets back and uh luckily he's not injured for the whole year Exactly. Yeah. The the good news there is that it's not the whole year, right? So, um, you know, there was, uh, I don't know if you remember, three years ago, uh, it was our very first game and uh, down goes uh, Mike Riley yep. in game one and, and missed half the season. And that season ended up pretty okay for us. So, uh, so I wouldn't, uh, I, I don't want to count the Bombers out yet, uh, but I, I know that they can, you know, come back around. Uh, they're going to have to rally around Alex Ross and see how these first six games go. And if there's one hope I have for the entire CFL season this year is please no more quarterback injuries. We've already yeah. seen Trevor Harris. We've seen Matt Nichols go down. No more, please. Yeah, we're 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 past that now. We're good. Yeah, let's just keep all the good guys in and and let's let's make this competitive and fun. Awesome, awesome. Well, just to wrap things up here, Andrew, thanks again for joining us here on the podcast. Uh, where I mean, people should know by now where to find your work. You can find you on social media because if they're not listening to your podcast, there's something wrong with them. Uh, <laughs> but uh, where can they find everything? Well, if they're, they're not listening, they might just be normal. Who knows? I mean, <laughs> um, it's uh, thank you again, Ryan, for having me back on. I, I really appreciate it. I love our chats. It's a lot of fun. Uh, you can find us uh, on Twitter at Ask Empire Pod. That's probably where the, we're the most active. But uh, now we do have a website, which is EskEmpire.ca, and all of our social channels for Instagram and um, Twitter and Facebook and, and our, our social, our, sorry, our our show feeds are all right there. So uh, make sure you hop over there and, and grab on and have a listen. And actually, uh, I should promote this while I'm on here because Kayla just posted uh, a bunch of pictures from Fan Day from all of the guys and uh, and some of the things that were going on there. And, and they're fantastic. Uh, we're so happy to have uh, Kayla as part of the team and, and doing the pictures and, and, of course, Mike doing the history. But uh, it's a really cool thing to check out on the website. Wonderful. Everyone, make sure you go and check that out. Andrew, I find it kind of fitting here. The last time we talked was back in October or November, right after your Edmonton Eskimos ended the Winnipeg Blue Bombers season. And now we talk again right before they kick off the next season together. So, uh, <laughs> perfect. Come full perfect. circle. Come full circle. That's right. And I'll hope for the exact same result this week. <laughs> I'm expecting the same result. Yeah, this all week. right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we'll leave it at that thanks again for joining us here andrew it's always a pleasure talking to you uh enjoy the game this week and uh enjoy the cfl season thanks you too man we'll talk to you in the season awesome sounds good thanks
And that was Andrew of the Eskimo Empire podcast joining us here on the Canadian Football Countdown to preview the first week of the CFL season. A huge thank you to Andrew for joining me for that again. Uh, always a pleasure to speak to him here on the podcast. Mike, any final thoughts here heading into week one of the CFL season? Well, I mean, I might sound like a homer, but I'm really intrigued by the opening game of the season. What does Chris Traveler have as a starter? Granted, he played a lot of. Granted, he played Edmonton, had that successful preseason game. Mind you, none of the veterans for Edmonton were in that game. So, for me, it's all on Chris Traveler. I really hope that head coach Michael Shea gives him a long leash, but it's not three drives. I don't have it. And then Alex Ross comes in. I really hope that that doesn't happen. I don't think it will, but I think you need to give this guy time. And I, I believe that the Bombers made this decision to stick with Traveler for a number of weeks. I don't think this is a one-game uh, thing for Traveler, win or loss here. If you haven't listened to our season preview show already, that one came out Tuesday night. Um, go back and listen to that one on all of our podcast feeds, and you can also find it on our new webpage, which we just launched this week at uh, mikefmwinnipeg.com slash the Canadian Football Countdown. Well, oh, it is also accessible to the Mike FM homepage. Absolutely. Um, looking forward to what's to come on the podcast next week, Mike. We'll be back on Tuesday uh, doing our recap of week one in the CFL. Uh, you can catch us recording that live on Mike FM Winnipeg from 7 to 8 p.m. Central uh, on Tuesday. Uh, at MikeFMWinnipeg.com. You can listen to us recording live there. That will also be out on all of the podcast platforms by the end of next Tuesday night. And then we will have our week two preview show uh, out next Wednesday as well. Lots of exciting stuff to come. Look forward. I wonder who Ryan didn't get to talk about the Montreal Alouettes. We'll stay tuned to find out. Uh, I have a couple guys in mind. So we will see who we can hopefully get someone for an interview again next week. Uh, to preview that game and uh, stay tuned also on the website again for written content to come from the two of us uh, lots of stuff articles blogs picks fantasy projections yeah, power we'll rankings post, we'll post our pitch and power ranking on the website uh, sometime look forward to all that look forward to the first week of cfl games cfl is back and boy are we excited to be talking about you know, it people will call me a patriotic person here but i am more excited for cfl than nfl that's just who i am that all watch the nfl but it, i'll tell you what nothing gets my juices flowing like cfl i i i agree i mean i don't watch the nfl so <laughs> cfl um, all the way baby till november and then that's when i get in the nfl toward the end but right now the focus of the sports world should be on the cfl uh, as all of the other leagues have wrapped and up. And the nice part about this weekend, just from a scheduling standpoint, especially Saturday, you get the FIFA World Cup from about 4.45 in the morning till 3.30, you get about a two-hour break, then you get a doubleheader of CFL. And let me guess, Mike, you will be up at 5.45 in the morning watching the FIFA World Cup. I don't know. <laughs> Life is too busy around this station with our big announcement today, uh, but uh, to be worrying about watching the World Cup at 5 in the morning. Fair enough, fair enough. That's it for this episode of the podcast. And hopefully when you listen to this, the North American United bid will have won the World Cup. Yes. For 2026. Yes. 
That's it for this episode of the podcast, Mike. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll be back again next week. Mike, thank you for joining me, as always. It's always a pleasure, and we are back for a full season of CFL football here on the Canadian Football Countdown. Thank you for listening. Have a good one. Bye.